I often get asked, why shouldn't we eat on night shift? Episode 16 was titled, Why the Overnight Fast? But since releasing that episode, I've learned so much more about the research in this area. I promise to always keep you up to date, so in today's episode, I'm going to do exactly that. Shift work can be brutal, but it doesn't have to be. Welcome to a healthy shift. My name is Roger Sutherland, certified nutritionist, veteran law enforcement officer, and 24-7 shift worker for almost four decades. Through this podcast, I aim to educate shift workers using evidence-based methods to not only survive the rigors of shift work, but thrive. My goal is to empower shift workers to improve their health and well-being so they have more energy to do the things they love. Enjoy today's show. And I would like to personally welcome you to this episode of A Healthy Shift Podcast. I'm deeply honored to have you at the table today as I get to tell you about what I have personally learned about today's topic, which is eating around the night shift and bring you up to date on the current research around this topic. So firstly, when we consider the prevalence of shift workers, it's quite simply incredible how little research has been done around shift work for this ever-growing population. In Australia alone, there are now more than 2 million shift workers, an estimated 20 to 22% of the population of the USA are also shift workers. To give you some perspective, that's 66 million shift workers in the USA alone and an estimated 1.3 billion, no, not million, billion Asians are shift workers. It's simply not enough to be an experienced shift worker today, sprouting advice to listeners. I studied to be an evidence-based nutritionist so I could stay on top of the latest research and interventions to help you. Now, obviously, my area of learning has deep dive into the area of chronobiology. Now, chronobiology is the study of biological rhythms, and this is important for us shift workers. Last week, I attended the Australasian Chronobiology Conference in Brisbane to network with some incredible researchers in chronobiology to learn from them so that I can bring you the latest interventions to help you to thrive, not just survive. I sat there proudly this time because the science terms, the initials, the abbreviations and what they were talking about, that they take for granted as common language for them as doctors, I now really understand the language that they're using and I get to appreciate their work. It was truly humbling. Sadly though, there is still very little research on true night shifters. I really have to dig deep into the science of what we should not be doing to best assist you with interventions to improve your health and well-being in your shift working life. Now, this one's a little sciencey, but it's important that you understand. So what I'll do is I will footnote with simplified explanations to help you to best understand. That being said, let's go. So eating around night shift. So firstly, let's clarify what the biological night is. Now, the biological night, one would assume that this means when it gets dark, right? Well, it's half right, and it's a yes and it's a no. 
The biological night is actually signified as the time melatonin secretion becomes elevated and remains elevated until it declines. Now, this can vary from person to person and even more in teenagers. Have you ever tried to get one to bed early? I rest my case. Now, melatonin is our sleep hormone. This too also runs on a circadian rhythm and typically runs around the light-dark cycle. But in today's society, with us lying in bed, staring at mobile phones a few centimetres from our face, this rhythm too gets disrupted. Now, when it comes to our regular nine-to-fivers, we observe that their internal time clocks are all in time. So, the central time clock in the brain, the suprachiasmatic nucleus, as well as all of our external clocks, which is in our liver and our heart and all of our organs and even in our cells. They are all running in time. They're getting natural external signals that the circadian rhythm responds to. There is daylight. There is movement. There is normal times of eating, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Everything is all lined up. Now, our circadian rhythm is an anticipatory rhythm. It knows when normal things happen and anticipates them and prepares for them. So when it gets dark, it starts to the, its dark process and commences shutting everything down for our rest and sleep. However, in shift work, during our biological night, we're under artificial light. But there's light when there shouldn't be. Then there's movement. This is when we should be resting or asleep. We're eating at times that are misaligned with our anticipated circadian clock times. So we're eating overnight and we're not eating at breakfast, lunch and dinner time. And food is coming into our resting digestive tract. So just like when we travel into a new time zone where our body adapts to this, the body starts questioning, hello, should we be adapting to this new time now or what should we be doing? And then all of a sudden, just like that, we're no longer on the night shift, which completely throws an adapting circadian rhythm into further confusion and disruption. Now, this dysregulation or this dysfunction impacts greatly on vital processes such as our food absorption, our kidney function, vascular tissue, insulin sensitivity, our heart impacts greatly on the immune system, liver, muscle, insulin secretion from the pancreas, and also impacts on fat accumulation. Our system is totally out of line and is continually disrupted. As an anticipatory unit, we are continually creating issues for our circadian rhythm by performing night shift and then throwing constant variations at it. To explain this further, our circadian rhythm moves our melatonin production and will adapt to a new time zone if it's consistent and has all of the external cues consistently. And a good example of this is when we travel. So think about it. We travel, let's say we go from Australia and we go to the USA. We're traveling 15 hours in an aeroplane and we're probably crossing, I haven't even looked, but it would probably be six or seven time zones at least. But we're also crossing the international dateline. But because when we land in the US, we then go to bed, we get up, we go to bed, we get up, we eat breakfast, lunch, dinner, we sleep overnight, we are moving during the day, our circadian rhythm then starts to anticipate and starts to learn what the new sequence is. But these rotating shifts that we do, 
are actually causing a lot of disruption and health issues as a result. Now, a permanent night shift worker or people who work long periods of nights, for example, two weeks, their circadian rhythm and melatonin production will start to adapt to the new biological night. Now, when studies looked at the risk factors for the different types of shifts, mixed shifts, so a mix of day shifts, afternoon shifts and night shifts, increased the risk factors by 27%. And even though that circadian rhythm will line up with a permanent night shift, it actually increased the risk of metabolic problems by 43% or metabolic risk factors. Now, this isn't just an, oh, I feel awful scale. This is a metabolic risk factor for obesity, cardiovascular, and metabolic health. So when we compare day shift workers to night shift workers, comprehensive research has shown that there is very little difference in the energy intake over the course of 24 hours. Now, that makes sense when you think about it. When we're on night shift, a lot of people come to me and they say, oh, but I feel like I'm eating all day and I'm eating all night. Research actually shows that we don't. We don't eat any more as a night shift worker than a regular fixed day shift worker does. What the research does show is that the night workers are simply redistributing their food intake into the biological night. Okay, so how does eating on night shift impact us biologically? Well, we have postprandial, which is after you eat, impaired glucose and insulin responses when we're on night shift. Remember, our body has been triggered, it's anticipated and gone into shutdown mode. Now, research shows clearly that from the mid-evening, we have elevated glucose. Now, this is normal. Even in a nine-to-fiver, we have elevated glucose in our bloodstream, and we also have limited insulin secretion. So what we're doing on night shift is we're carrying this way over into the whole night. So what does this mean? Well, what this means is when we eat, our body recognises glucose in the blood and it signals to the pancreas to release insulin. Now, this insulin is the bus that normally drives the glucose into the muscle and clears it from the bloodstream. Now, on night shift, we have lots of glucose from the carbs that we're eating because we crave carbs, right? And then we can't get rid of them. And this is a problem. So it is floating around our bloodstream and ends up getting parked as body fat. So what about the impact on triglycerides, which is the fat in our bloodstream? Because the circadian rhythm is an anticipatory rhythm, our circadian rhythm anticipates that there's a fasting period coming overnight, which is normal, isn't it? And what it does is it elevates our triglycerides in the bloodstream. Now, this is perfectly normal and is following a normal rhythm. It's natural. It's what happens to us every night. However, when we eat overnight... We are elevating the glucose from the carbs we've eaten with nowhere to go. And we're also now elevating the triglycerides on top of the normal elevation that comes with the circadian rhythm. So we've got excessive amounts of glucose and fats in our bloodstream. And this all creates a massive cardiovascular risk for us. Now, studies are also showing that those that eat during the biological night have an impaired glucose response, not only on the night shift, but for the days after the night shift as well. And those that don't eat overnight did not have an impaired glucose response. 
So that's interesting just in itself. So those that are reading overnight, you are also causing yourself problems for the following days afterwards until your circadian rhythm gets back into sync. So those that are not eating overnight, you're in much better shape as it is. And this is why a lot of the people that fast overnight, particularly from the midnight to 6am, feel so much better. So let's just summarise what we can take from this. Now, night shift work presents us with multiple risk factors for cardiometabolic disease. This is caused by circadian rhythm dysregulation. And this could be a podcast after podcast that could go for hours on what is creating this circadian rhythm dysregulation. But I've basically summarised it for you. Now, research surprisingly shows the night workers and day workers are eating roughly the same amount of food. So we know that it's not that they eat more. So what is the reason that we have a higher cardiovascular risk and metabolic risk? It is highly suspected that this is most likely due to the circadian misalignment. Now we absolutely know that we need to avoid eating over the biological night. Research tells us this, no problems, but that's not always possible. So what strategies can we put in place to give us the best possible chance here? So grab your pen and paper. Number one, the best thing that you can do is to have a plan. Now, what I'm going to eat and when I'm going to eat it. This prevents you just randomly grabbing easy snacks when you suddenly get a hunger pang that are less than nutritious and runs the risk of overeating. And those snacks, we all know, they're the carbohydrates and fats, your chips, your chocolates, your biscuits, your cake, etc., etc. Tip number two, try and maintain your normal daytime meal timing and load most of your calories during the biological day. This will help you enormously. Even on night shift, you can still have your protein and carbs when you get home. And that can be not, not a main meal, but it can still be calories in. And then when you get up, you can eat again and you can eat well then. And then before you go in for shift, you can eat again. Trying to reduce the calories that you are putting into your system overnight is imperative. Now, when you're planning your snacks for night shift, keep the energy content of such snacks low. High protein is essential with a low caloric content, which is ideal. That's what we want to try and aim for. So high protein, low carb, low fat meals, which mean low caloric content. What is also very, very important is to keep the fat low in your pre-night shift meals and to avoid fat overnight. Remember what I said about the triglycerides in the bloodstream. Our circadian rhythm already elevates them. We don't need to be pumping more into the system it will end up getting parked as adipose tissue, body fat. We also need to keep our carbs low over all the while in our night shift block. And this is something that I learned recently as well. So by keeping the carbs low overall while you're actually in that night shift block, and I'm not saying cut carbs, what I'm saying is keep them low. We need carbohydrates for energy. But if you keep them low, you reduce that glucose that's floating around in your bloodstream. And the other thing is high protein greatly assists with the glucose response overnight. It has been shown that if you have a high protein meal late at night, when you have your protein in the morning, 
you get less of an insulin, uh, sorry, less of a glucose response and a better uh, insulin response. So that's what the reason why we fast overnight. I can't emphasize to you enough. I'm not saying to you it's a demon and you should not eat at all overnight because you may be someone who is very active overnight and you may need to eat for energy. But when you do eat, you need to keep your carbohydrates and your fats low and go with higher protein. The benefits of higher protein is it's going to keep you satiated for longer and also keep your carbs and fats low so that you're not compounding the glucose insulin response problem and you're not creating more um, triglycerides in your bloodstream, which literally this food is going to float around in your bloodstream until it ends up landing as adipose tissue, which is your body fat. So I hope you understood that. If not, I'm very open to questions through DMs. If you valued the podcast, I really do ask if you could please just, there's a lot of people that are listening to these podcasts every every day. There's two episodes a week. It takes a lot of work to research, to actually give this information out to you. And all I ask is if you could give it a rating and a review, and I'd really appreciate it. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you get notified whenever a new episode is released. It would also be ever so helpful if you could leave a rating and review on the app you're currently listening on. If you want to know more about me or work with me, you can go to ahealthyshift.com. I'll catch you on the next one.